Wednesday, October 31st, 2018. Happy Halloween and welcome to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Eagles recovered by going to London and beating the Jaguars. The Sixers are just inconsistent. The Flyers, well, the season is getting away from them. After only 12 games, but one thing's for sure, they keep giving us plenty to talk about in the Philly sports scene. Yeah, all very true, Bill. The birds are the focal point right now, obviously. We'll get to all of the Eagles stuff in just a sec. But, you know, I almost thought about rescheduling this show because we are doing this one, Bill, on a pseudo-holiday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, Well, I can tell you it's going to be a mystery around here, too, because the way uh, the Philly press box is set up in my house, as you walk in the front door, it is the room on the left. So between three little barking dogs and people possibly ringing the doorbell, who knows what might happen in the next hour. Uh, Well, and later in the show, folks, uh, Bill is going to run down his top 50 horror movies, so stay tuned for that. Uh, well, other than Halloween, I don't know that I have too many, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. I know you're not a big horror guy. Cause I asked you uh, a year or two ago about that. And you said you haven't really seen that many. I was shocked, shocked and appalled yeah. bill. Well, I'm sorry about that, but Hey, let's talk about the Eagles. They beat the Jags to go four and four at the midway point. They made a big trade to get golden Tate, but then lost Lane Johnson for some time. There's a lot going on during this bye week. Yeah, absolutely. The O-line is a real concern for me. We'll talk about that with our guest in a few minutes. Uh, But I'm going to say right up front, I love the Golden Tate deal. He's a guy who has averaged 93 catches and about 1,050 yards per season over the last four years. He's on pace for 95 or so catches again this year. He's got 44 in seven games with Detroit. He can be a slot receiver or an outside guy, and I think he's a great addition and he's an addition that will make the rest of the receiving core better, too. He may only be here for a half season. We'll see. Maybe they'll keep him around, but I love the move. But yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about the O-line with uh, Johnson being hurt and Jason Peters struggling to you know, stay healthy from game to game. So lots to talk about for sure. Yeah, and, and I like the deal, too. Uh, I think it does spread out the offense quite a bit, gives them some more weapons. Uh, Darren Sproles should be back after the bye week as well to give them some speed. Uh, so that'll be helpful, but there are some, some glaring holes that obviously they couldn't find a, uh, a dance partner with to fill, or they would have. And I think, uh, Howie Roseman kind of said that they've been looking at it for weeks and weeks since cut, since cut day, um, yeah. but just couldn't find a match. I would have really liked to see them get uh, some help for the secondary, maybe even another guy for the D line, but, uh, hopefully guys will be healthy. They have this week off now with the bye. So, you know, maybe we'll see Tim Jernigan again at some point. Maybe Darren Sproles will actually be back. We'll find out, I guess, more about that early next week. But why don't we bring our guest on and see what he has to say about everything? Yeah, well, we have another former Eagle and Philly Stars player joining us again tonight in Ken Dunnick. I'm looking forward to getting Ken's perspective on the 4-4 four four defending Super Bowl champions. Ken, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. 
Hey, guys. Good to be on with you. How's everything going? All right. Ken, I thought I thought you might be out trick-or-treating tonight. I'm glad you're able to take some time to join us on this Halloween. Listen, I'm a pretty big, scary guy. I scare them all year long, not just on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Ken, I know you are a busy guy. So thanks for taking some time, like I said. Uh, first, let's get your reaction to the trade deadline deal. The Eagles acquiring wide receiver Golden Tate from the Lions for a third-round pick. Do you like the deal, and what does this do for the Birds? Well, anytime you can add a good skill position player, I think it helps you now. I think they needed a more of a, uh, a pure speed guy and golden Tate is more of a slot receiver. Now he, he's pretty good at yards after the catch. He's got some acceleration, but you, you've got to find a way to stretch the defense. The Eagles receivers are good, but they're not that fast. So what defenses are doing, they're kind of crowding the box a little bit. And uh, you know, Wentz, when he goes over the top, a lot of times is going to his tight ends on a deep cross or a seam route. So uh, you know, anytime you can add a receiver uh, of this type of talent, I think it's going to help you. I would have liked to have seen him get another defensive back and possibly uh, a running back. I'm not, I haven't heard the latest word on Lane Johnson, how long he's going to be out. But, um, you know, that might be an area of concern. But, you know, guys, you got to remember, number one, the Eagles are playing a tougher schedule this year because they won the NFC East last year. And number two, you know, they snuck up on people. They were the underdogs in every game throughout the playoffs. This year, everybody's ready for them, and that does make a difference. There's no question about it. So still a good team. I still think they can win the NFC East. As a matter of fact, I think they will win the NFC East because I think they're a better team than Washington. Uh, so, you know, they're 4-4, four and four, but they've got a lot of time, and I still have faith that they can do it. Hey, Ken, you mentioned Lane Johnson, and uh, that's certainly one of my concerns in that offensive line with Johnson out now and, and Big V filling in there. Jason Peters, you know, is is still probably better than most, but kind of a shell of himself, I think. He, he struggled a bit this year. They've already made the change with Somalia and Wisniewski. They're thin up front, and uh, I think we all know the reason they were so successful last year is because of what they did on the offensive and defensive lines. Well, again, they played uh, quite a bit of the season in the playoffs without Jason Peters. No, you're right. Jason Peters is limited. He is not the player he was. But even a guy, you know, of his ability that's playing at 80% is still pretty good. Lane Johnson is a a huge right tackle, and that's going to be, you know, a tough thing for them to replace. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to see uh, how these backup players are able to, you know, fill in and – Hopefully they do as good of a job as they did last year. Hey, other than the route of the Giants, Ken, the Eagles haven't played a full, impressive game all year. All seven of the other games decided by six points or fewer. Do you believe we might see them again resemble that Eagles team that won the Super Bowl nine months ago? Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, um, there's no preseason anymore. When you think about it, their starting players really don't play enough in preseason games in order to get acclimated game speed, in order to get uh, a rhythm going. And I think that's a big factor. And not only the Eagles, I think you see a lot of these teams struggle early because there's no continuity on offense because they haven't played enough. And I get it. I understand why teams want to protect their star players and they don't want to risk them to injury. But 
there comes a point when you you've got to get acclimated to game type conditions. And I think you know a lot of a lot of the Eagles starters. Well, you know, look at look at Carson Wentz. He didn't play at all in the preseason. Um, you didn't see uh, Darren Sproles play very much in the preseason. A lot of guys that they you know were counting on, they just didn't get those reps. And I think I think that's a factor. I do think that um, when they're healthy, they're a very uh, able uh, offensive team. I love Wentz's arm strength. I mean. That ball he threw across his body, I forget whether it was to Wentz or whether it was to Ertz or Goddard the other day. It was just an incredible throw. This kid, I mean, he, he reminds me of Roethlisberger. He, he won't go down. He avoids the rush. When he gets hit, he shakes it off, and he's able to throw the ball down the field. He's a superstar, and he's just going to keep getting better and better. And the Eagles will fill in with other, you know, uh, key uh, offensive skill players, and, you know, uh, the offensive line, and they'll build around this guy. And, I, you know, they're, they're going to be a good team for years to come. Um, I wouldn't give up on them after eight games. Yeah, me neither. And, and speaking of Carson Wentz, I was going to ask you about that. It seems to me that uh, because of all the other things that have gone on, of course he missed a couple games too, that he's been a little bit under the radar this year as far as uh, national publicity and that sort of thing. I think he's had a great season, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he's got a great quarterback rating as far as that goes and, and complete nearly 71% of his passes. Uh, that's a little misleading, I guess, because they throw so many behind the line of scrimmage these days. But it seems to me that uh, Wentz just keeps getting better. And if not for him, this team would probably be in big trouble. Well, you know, he's definitely a marquee quarterback. I, I would put him in the top five in the NFL. Of course, you know, you start with, Brady and Rodgers and work your way down. But, uh, and, and remember, he's a relatively new player. This is only his second year as a starter. You know, he missed uh, part of the end of the last season and all the playoffs. So, you know, what you're seeing is just, you know, the very beginning of a, a player that if he stays healthy is going to be, you know, up there with those marquee names for, for many years. So, I mean, I, I, I just love him, and not only from a playing standpoint, but he seems to be a real team-oriented guy. He's very humble. He says all the right things. I understand his work ethic is impeccable. He's, you know, he's there early. He stays late. He's really everything that you would want in a quarterback. So, you know, I, I would say in a couple of years that we're going to be talking about him with the, the very, very elite quarterbacks in the league. Hey, Ken, we're going to talk more about uh, Jersey Man and Philly Man in a bit, your magazines. But uh, I, I also want to ask you, speaking of that, uh, I saw that you did a little sit-down interview with Doug Peterson, and you admitted you weren't a huge fan of his when they hired him. You are very you know, fine with the choice now, of course. And I also want to say that I loved all the Gomer Pyle references in the interview because I was a big fan of Gomer Pyle as a kid. <laughs> Well, you're showing your age now, like me. Yeah, I know. I don't remember who Gomer Pyle is, but yeah, I mean, when they made the hire, I was scratching my head. I, I said it in the article. I kind of felt like, you know, it was a safe choice coming off the Chip Kelly debacle. I thought they went with a company guy, somebody that would, you know, do what Howie and Jeff wanted uh, him to do. And, you know, what I found was this is a, uh, a very uh, good football mind with uh, a gambler's mentality 
And all you need to do is go back to that Philly Philly play in the Super Bowl where I wanted to go for three points, and I think 98% of Eagles fans wanted them to kick that field goal at the end of the first half. But what Doug realized was, you know, these the defense, it was a track meet that game, and three points didn't mean a whole lot. When you have a chance to score seven, you've got to do it. And it was absolutely the right thing to do. If he doesn't, uh, if that play isn't successful, he gets roasted by the media. He might even get run out of town. So the courage that it took for him to run that play, and, and not only that, I mean, I, I thought going forward on fourth down was, was something they had to do because if you give Tom Brady the ball back with yeah. a, you know that much time, they're probably going to score anyway. So I wasn't as impressed with that. I mean, that's a gamble that I would have taken. The Philly-Philly thing, I was thinking they should have gone with the field goal. But, you know, and, and also, you know, he's, he's paid his dues as a player. He learned under Andy Reid as a coach, and uh, he and he's got some some cred with these players that you know respect that uh, from a guy in the locker room, and and he goes to bat for him. Uh, you know, he's he really is a a player's type of a coach that you know kind of a guy that that I would have liked to have played for, and um, and I and I was wrong, and I and I and I, I was glad to admit it, and not only that. He is truly one of the nicest guys. He was so giving of his time, you know, uh, for me to be able to spend an hour with him on the phone, interviewing him with the magazine was really, uh, it was very nice of him to do that as the Super Bowl winning coach. He didn't have to do it, but he did it for me because I'm an Eagles alumni and he wanted to help me out and I'll be forever grateful for that. Yep. Great piece. Hey, Ken, as an offensive football player, um, not many people have had a, a chance to to play for a gambler type guy like that. Uh, it's got to be fun going in the huddle, knowing that you're always in four down territory. Because if you're fourth and maybe inside a two or three yard line, you're or two or three yards, you're going for it. That's got to be fun for an offense. Well, you know the game has changed analytics wise. Uh, these guys. They go for it much more often. There used to be a conservative nature to coaches where they would punt and make it a field position game. But because of the changes in the rules that allow uh, offensive players the freedom to move around unfettered off the line of scrimmage, and uh, you know you're not worried about getting your head taken off uh, in the defensive backfield, it's much more of an offensive game. So coaches realized that there was more of an opportunity offensively to gain those, you know, two to five yards on fourth down where coaches in the past would just punt the football and take their chances with their defense. Can I mention the magazines a moment ago? Let's get back to that. You're the editor of Jersey Man and Philly Man, and you recently expanded the business going up into enemy territory, you might say, with the debut a few weeks ago of Boston Man with, of course, Brady and Belichick on the cover of the premier issue. What made you decide to do a magazine for Beantown, and what was the reaction? Well, the uh, the honest answer is that we really we we're selling franchises for our magazine now, and a group in Boston bought the magazine. So I'm not I'm not running that magazine. We sold them the franchise, and they have all of the rights to write about anything they want. And of course, if I was running Boston Man, I would have written about <laughs> Belichick and Brady too, because it makes a whole lot of sense. But oh yeah, my daughter Jamie, my daughter Jamie is actually up there helping them two weeks out of the year, and. They're a very enthusiastic group. They've already signed up uh, many legacy club members, and they're they're planning their gala, which, by the way, <clears throat> we've got our annual masquerade uh, ball coming up next week. 
<clears throat> November 8th at Ballroom at the Bend. It's a ticketed event. If you have an interest in kind of rubbing elbows with some celebrities, Mike Quick is scheduled to attend. Uh, Federico Castelluccio, who played um, Furio on The Sopranos, is scheduled to attend. Um, uh, Mike Missinelli is scheduled to attend. And there'll be a lot, a lot of prizes given away. And it's just a great time. Last year, Misha Johnson uh, hosted. And we had almost 600 people. Uh, this year, Joe Conklin is our MC, and it's just a fun night as we raise money for charity and recognize six men and women of the year candidates that we have kind of profiled in the magazine throughout the year. So, again, if anybody's interested in attending a very fun party at Ballroom at the Bend next Thursday, November 8th from 6 to 10, you can reach me through jerseymanmagazine.com. Awesome. Very good. Hey, Ken, getting back to uh, to football, I wanted to ask you specifically as an offensive guy, uh, you know, these new rules that are in place to protect receivers that you mentioned, uh, the quarterbacks are pretty much untouchable at this time. Uh, how do you think that's affected the game? And uh, obviously the, the player safety is important, but uh, how do you see that affecting the game? Is it for the good or the bad? Well, definitely for the good. I mean, you know, I played back in the day where you didn't dare come off the field and tell the coach you had a headache. You might have been concussed, but uh, for fear of losing your job, you just played through that type of stuff. And it was a silly, stupid thing to do. But, again, um, you know, for job security purposes, you're kind of forced into doing that. Um, You know, I, I played back in the day when, you know, Jack Tatum and Ronnie Lott were in the backfield. And if you went over the middle, you were literally taking your life into your hands. And um, that it's not the case these days. Now there's still some incidents of, you know, players getting uh, kind of crazy back there and, and head hunting and, and doing some stuff that is detrimental to the game. But um, for the most part, it's a much safer game. And it's uh, and, and it's, uh, uh, it's actually a more fun game to watch because, you know, uh, listen, defensive battles are great. I, I love all aspects of football, but, well, there's nothing like the Super Bowl last year when these teams are just marching up and down the field and punching in the end zone. It's almost like golf. You know, you, the fans kind of pay to see birdies, not pars. So, um, you know, it, I, I, I love the game. I mean, I do college football for Fox and, the, the college game is ne- has never been better. The, the pageantry, the the talent, you know, I do CAA football for that network, and uh, it's an FCS uh, conference. And when I tell you that these are all major college football players that have filtered down, you know, I just did uh, Towson and Joe Flacco's brother, Tom, who started out at Western Michigan, transferred to Rutgers, and now is at Towson State. He's an excellent quarterback, and, you know, he's in that league. Vinny Testaverde's son is at Albany. Uh, ben DiNucci, who was the starter at Pitt, is at James Madison. So there's a ton of talent in this league, and over and over again you'll see guys that have transferred from Virginia and Oklahoma and all these big-time schools that they just didn't find their niche in those big-time programs, and they filtered down. So, no, I think the uh, the game of football, both college and pro-wise, is in is pretty healthy shape. Hey, Ken, speaking of back in the day, we had your buddy John Bunting on last week. He was terrific. and He's the best. Oh, uh, he's awesome. And also yeah. from that era, um, 
You know, I was out in Canton in early August, and I posted a picture of a Ken Dunnick Philadelphia Stars jersey on display at the Hall of Fame. I saw you posted the thank you letter from the Hall a few weeks ago. That's pretty cool. So congrats on that. And how did it happen that your old jersey from the Philly Stars made its way to Canton? You talk about backing your way into the Hall of Fame. That's, uh, that's exactly what <laughs> hey, Whatever it so, takes. So, <laughs> this is a funny story, actually. So, you know, last year we had our Stars reunion. We hadn't, I hadn't seen these guys since 1987. On all, of, you know, most everybody came back. We all got together. Carl Peterson has had that USFL trophy in his office when he was with Kansas City, and then he's got an office in New York, and he's had that trophy. Well, he shipped it down to me and asked me to carry it to the um, the reunion, and I did that. And then at the reunion, he said, "Listen, will you take it home?" And I'll send, uh, you know, a courier to get the trophy. Well, that trophy's been sitting in my home for a year, and he never asked for it back. And I was talking to my <laughs> wife saying, Jesus, you know, if something happens to Carl, I, th- I guess we own the second most famous football trophy in, in, in the history. So, <laughs> what, what, and then, then he calls me. He goes, listen, the, the Hall of Fame called me. They want the uh, trophy. And uh, they had the, uh, he had the Hall of Fame call me, so I made arrangements for him to pick it up. And then the guy says to me, he says, well, listen, you know, the stars were great. Three championship games, two championships. You're a big part of the USFL. Do you have any memorabilia? And I said, well, listen, you don't, you don't want my jersey. You want hmm. Kelvin Bryant or Sam Mills or Chuck Fusin or, you know, some of the, the really great players on that team. I, I was kind of lucky to be there. And he said, no, no. He goes, you know, you were there. We did our research. You, you were there all three years. And, you know, we think it's important that somebody like you be recognized. So, I sent him my jersey from the 1984 uh, NFL, uh, USFL championship game, and lo and behold, I get a picture from you know guys like you that have, were at mm-hmm. the hall and saying, "Boy, you're really displayed prominently here." That it was really you know, a great thrill and one of the honors of my life. And I guess that the display is going to stay up in some form uh, forever. So uh, you know, oh, wow. if uh, if I have a chance to get out to Canton soon, I guess I'll be able to see my jersey again. Yeah, I saw that. I said, wow, I know that guy. That's awesome. So I had to take the picture and send it to you. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it. Hey, great story, too. Hey, Ken, before we uh, finish up, with Eagles at the halfway mark, 4-4, four and four, how do you see the, the season finishing out for them? I think they're going to be better. You know, I think their schedule is challenging, but they're lucky that they're playing in a division that's not overly strong. I do think they're a better team than the Redskins. I think eventually they'll overtake the Redskins, and they will win the NFC East. Now, a lot of things have to go right, fall right for you to win another Super Bowl, and we'll just have to see how that shakes out. But I do think they're going to make the playoffs. I do think they're going to, uh, you know, have a say in who the winner of the NFC championship is. And uh, like I say, uh, they gave us the thrill of a lifetime last year by winning one, and uh, they're, they're, they're a solid team, and they're going to be that way for the foreseeable future, I think. Fantastic. Well, hey, Ken, we want to thank you for taking the time to join us. Always good stuff, and uh, good luck with your, your magazine and uh, your event next week. I appreciate it, guys. It's always nice to talk with you. Good luck with your show. Thanks, All Ken. right. Thank you. All right. Take care. If you follow me on Facebook, you know that I watched Sunday's Eagles-Jags game from London over at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne. 
they had a packed house right from 9 a.m. on. Great crowd of Eagles fans, and everybody had a real good time. It's always a good time at the Irish Rover, and they've got plenty of events coming up beyond that daily dinner specials and happy hour deals. Trivia every Wednesday evening. On Friday nights, they have a DJ, and then later, 11 p.m., a free buffet. Live music is back on Saturday nights. This weekend, it's a southern rock cover band, Big Whiskey. Our pal Christina says they are terrific. All of that and much more at the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Oh, and based on the pictures I saw, they had an amazing Halloween party at the Irish Rover last Saturday night. They did the They did the monster man. <laughs> it was a graveyard smash. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Could we have gotten through the show without that? Oh, I could have put a whole lot more Halloween-type music in here, but time wouldn't permit. But I had to at least get something in, you know? Oh, I knew you were going to have that in there. I, that was on my list. I could have guessed that one. So it was going to show up somewhere. <laughs> yep. Hey, Chad, yep. if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yeah, you know it, Bill. It's true. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent, like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Click on the all-state banner on our Philly Press Box Radio website, or just call Dave directly, the number 610-430-0700. Again, it's Dave Lavoy at Allstate Insurance in Westchester, 610-430-0700. All right, and hey, Chet, uh, it was announced yesterday that a Philadelphia institution has shut down. The Wing Bowl is no more. What are your thoughts on this event? How many times did you go? I know it was one of your favorite things. I'm just going to ramble for a few minutes here, Bill, so hang in there. Um, I'll, have a drink, I, I'll have a drink of iced tea. How's that? Yeah, there you go. you got two minutes. Yeah, it's the end of an era, as you said. The guys at WIP had been doing wing bowl for 26 years, and, yes, Angelo Catali made the announcement on Tuesday that it is, in fact, over. It's been a very difficult decision to make because of our great affection for it, but WIP has decided to end wing bowl. They did the first one way back in 1993 in a hotel lobby, later it moved to the electric factory, but by year seven or eight, it had become huge, and they were doing it at the Spectrum. I was there for uh, the eighth one. Later, the Wells Fargo Center, of course. It was a wild time, always. A bunch of guys and a few women vying to see who could eat the most wings, scantily clad women acting as wingettes, and various sideshow acts, like a guy who would smash beer cans on his head, getting himself all bloody in the process. As five-time champion Bill Simmons L. Wingendor noted in his book, Snow on the Barbed Wire, granted, Wing Bowl isn't exactly the president's inaugural ball. It's a complete circus, but I can never argue the fact that it changed the course of my life. We had a great time talking to L. Wingendor on our show in early 2017. You know what I tell people? Listen, I'm a competitor. I like challenges, and I just love to eat. So that made me a, a five-time Wing Bowl champion. So that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. I was there for two of Bill's wins, maybe three. I attended nine or ten, I think it was ten, wing bowls in all between 2000 and 2017. And, yeah, it was something of a circus, but it was our circus. 
Al Morganti got the idea to do wing ball as something to entertain Philly football fans the week before the Super Bowl since the birds rarely got there. But they did get there in 2005, and they won it finally earlier this year, 2018. So I understand the decision to end wing ball. It was a great run. I have lots of fond memories of it. But, yeah, it's time to move on. Well, I can tell you, uh, Chet, I was able to, of course, I didn't live there for most of those years, but uh, I was able to attend once. And uh, once was enough. It, uh, <laughs> I saw everything I needed to see, but I have to say it was fun. It was a fun thing to say that I've done. Um, don't have to look back and say, man, you know, one more year, and I, maybe I could have gone. I, I got to go once, and it, it was pretty cool. Crazy, uh, full of crazies, tailgating at 4 a.m. is oh, pretty, yeah. pretty fun. Now, speaking of once being enough, Bill, um, I love this tweet and Facebook post from Glenn Macnow last night. He said, one of my proudest moments at Sports Radio WIP was winning a bet with Ray Dinger, which forced Ray to attend Wing Bowl one year. I asked him at the end if he'd ever come back. Ray said, absolutely not. <laughs> well, that's what I said, too. Not for everybody. It's not for everybody, but it's fun to say you did it one time. Yes. Very good. Well, rest in peace, Wing Bowl. And, but a great yep. job, you know, a great job by WIP and, and those guys. They raised an awful lot of money over the years in doing that, and I'm sure it was a very difficult thing uh, because they did help uh, with their charities. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's talk to Flyers for a minute. They're 5-7. and seven. They're just 10 points. They have just 10 points. They're next to last place in the entire Eastern Conference. You know, the season's getting away from them after just 12 games. and That came last night. Fortunately, they they were able to win uh, three to two. Was was probably even just the twelfth game of the year, the most important game of the season. They cannot afford to lose games on this road trip. Well, you know, Bill, I don't pay close attention to hockey in October or November and December, for that matter. But yeah, I know they won last night. But from what I've seen, they've got problems in pretty much every aspect of the game. Not enough offense, a lot of games, some shoddy defense, so-so goaltending, and. I'll tell you, while I supported Dave Haxtall pretty much his entire first three years, my endorsement is waning. If they don't turn it around soon, it might be time to consider making a coaching change. So we'll have to keep an eye on that situation. I don't want, I don't want to see another 10-game losing streak because if that happens, he's gone. Well, you know, I find it hard. And, then, and we're going to talk about this if we have a little time here at the end. I've got written down as a side note on how we pick the people in this town that we are going to make our whipping boys. And right now, Hackstall is one of them. I've seen it, the whole Giroux thing coming out again. Uh, you know, he's a lousy captain. He needs to go. Uh, the guy had 100 points last year. Um, and and they, he had two assists last night. They said it was the – he broke a three-game scoreless streak, which was the first time in a year, yeah. over a year, that he had that. gone three, three games without a point. Uh, but we want to pick people out and kind of blame them for things. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on, I hope, if we have some more time. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, hey, um, Chet, you know what time it is, don't you? I see he's on the line, so let's play the music. I don't have any special Halloween music for this guy, but we'll just go with the, the normal stuff for him. This is legendary, Chet. <laughs> it is indeed. 
<laughs> it's fantasy football time with our resident expert, Fred Hugo. Fred, welcome back. What's up, guys? Happy Halloween. Hey, Fred, hey, I thought you'd be out trick-or-treating. You got a little girl. Shouldn't you be out trick-or-treating? I actually just got back. I'm actually currently removing my Batman mask. I was Batman tonight. <laughs> there you go. I figured. I figured as much. Hey, awesome. Hey, hey, Fred, you're not. You're probably not old enough to remember, but uh, well, you're not. But I know you were sitting on your dad's lap at some time watching NFL films with that music, and I just keep wanting to hear John Facenda start talking when that's over. Oh, I definitely, because he, he had all the, the tapes and stuff, the VHS tapes of, like, football follies and different stuff like that. Yeah. So that music yep. is definitely reminisces with me, and then it brings yeah. me back to the time with him, actually. Yeah, Absolutely. great stuff. All right. Well, hey, Fred, give us the quick fantasy football rundown for the week. Uh, with all these injuries and buys and all kinds of stuff going on, maybe even some trades, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, that that changes everything. You got Golden Tate coming to the Eagles, so he might have been a guy. He was pretty consistent anyway, but he may be more of a, a guy you might have traded. Now you're probably going to hold on to him with Carson Wentz as the quarterback. Demarius Thomas going to the Texans, and that that may help him with Hopkins on his side, but, but what really helps is Cortland Sutton, who is a, a first-round pick, a first- or second-round pick of the Broncos. Um, they really like him, and he'll – He'll move up now, so he's definitely a waiver wire pickup to grab. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is back as the starter in Tampa Bay. He he was pretty hot. Even in the weeks he threw interceptions, he, he scored a ton of points, so that's a waiver wire pickup for you. And um, right before the bye, uh, Tajay Sharp of the Tex, uh, Titans um, had like a seven-catch, 108-yard touchdown week. Uh, Mariota really likes him, so he's on most waiver wires. He's a guy that you definitely snag and – and put on your bench and, and maybe hit on a, a number one or two receiver there. As far as what I like for the week, uh, we'll start here at the quarterback position. I absolutely, and I'm, I'm typically, he does score fantasy points. I'm not a fan of him. Uh, I'm not really a fan of him, but I, I, this week I love Cam Newton of the Panthers against the Buccaneers. It's a great matchup, and um, their secondary is not great, and Cam can also run as well. That That's a great matchup there. I love Aaron Rodgers, who's pretty much an obvious every week, but even more this week against the Patriots. And then I like Russell Wilson matched up against the Chargers. Moving over to running back, um, this is another obvious one. Kareem Hunt, he's been hot, but he's even do even better against the Browns this week. They just fired two offensive coaches. They're, they're probably in, in disarray here now, so expect uh, them probably to lay down, I would think. Um, uh, also, I like Adrian Peterson of the Redskins matched up against the Falcons. And then Lamar Miller has had back-to-back weeks with 100-plus yards rushing. He's matched up against the Broncos defense, who's not, not as great as he used to be. I love Lamar Miller this week. At wide receiver, uh, rookie wide receiver DJ Moore of the Carolina Panther. You can pair him up with Cam. He had five catches for 90, 90 yards last week. He's when he when he is on the field, he's second in targets like per route run, as they say, and he has a good matchup against the Buccaneers. I like John Brown of the Ravens matched up against Pittsburgh. Uh, week one, he had or whatever week week four, I think they played each other. He had three catches and 116 yards and a touchdown, so I expect him to have a good week. And then Devontae Parker had a great week last week. He's matched up against the Jets, who's ranked 28th against wide receivers. So great matchup there. Moving to tight end, I like David Njoku. 
uh, matched up against the Chiefs. And then I also like Jimmy Graham against the Patriots. Defensively, um, I love the, the Bears' defense is great all year anyway, but an even better matchup this week against the Buffalo Bills. And then I also like the Texans' defense matched up against the Broncos. At kicker, I would go with Greg Zerline of the Rams matched up against the Saints. And, um, yeah, that's about it. All I have for fantasy for this week. Sounds good, Fred. All right. Hey, Fred, do you think anywhere along the line that this world could find 32 guys that could kick the ball between the uprights on a consistent basis? Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? Because it's all, all they do. You know what I mean? I could see a miss here or there, but there's consistent misses all year. Like that's all, all they do, long. right? That's there's worst nothing. Year no other it, it's no other responsibility, but but kick it. I, next year, I think I'm just eliminating even talking about kickers with the fantasy because it's <laughs> it's like hit or it's useless. I just pick a guy, but it's really there's no statistic behind it to say hey he's going to make this or miss. You know? Yeah. Well, hey Fred, let's uh, let's make our NFL predictions. It's that time again, Chet. Uh, how did we do this past week? Well, Bill, we're Dallas getting better. Season, we're getting better. Wait till you hear our season-to-date standings. Believe it or not, Bill, you and I were a perfect four and zero last week. Ah. While our previous our previous leader, Fred, who apparently was slipped some sort of a hallucinogen before he made his picks, which included him thinking the Giants would win a game, Fred went two and two. So, it's now Bill moving into the top spot at 17 and 13, while Fred, you're 16 and 14, and thanks to my perfect weekend, I'm right there with you, also at 16 and 14. So, the three of us are separated by one measly game, and for the first time all season, we are all over 500. Woohoo. Woohoo. But you the Giants should have won that game. It's good to be back and on no. top, boys. No, they shouldn't have. They made it close <laughs> at the end, Fred. All right. <laughs> Hey, uh, you didn't hear me say it's good to be back on top, so I'll say it again. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, okay. We ignored it. The Giants are off this week, so we've changed things up a little bit. Fred, uh, I hope somebody shared this with you. If not, you're going to wing it like the rest of us. We have the Falcons <laughs> at the Redskins, minus one and a half. Steelers at the Ravens, minus three. Rams at the Saints, minus one and a half. Great game there. And the Titans at the Cowboys, minus six and a half. So, Fred, Falcons at Redskins. Minus one and a half. Small spread. The Redskins are five and two at home. Uh, they they have a really good defense, but I I like the Falcons here coming off the bye. I'm not a full believer in the Redskins yet, um, and I think uh, the the Falcons are really due. They they need this win more than the Redskins, so I'm going to say the Falcons take this one. You know, I didn't have it written down, but in my head, I pretty much had exactly the same thought process as our pal Fred. The bye week, oh, no. they're due. I took the Falcons also. It scares me because I took them too. Uh, I, I think the Redskins are going to start coming back to reality. They are playing good defense. I, I just don't see them as being as good as their record shows. I'm going with Falcons. Three for Steelers, Ravens. Steelers-Ravens at Ravens, minus three. Always a bloodbath game right here. Yeah, it's going to be – it is always a bloodbath game. And But this year, the, the Ravens have the defense, and, and the Steelers don't seem to have much of a defense at all. So, I know the Ravens won week four, and typically I feel like this series splits. But I'm going to take the Ravens to beat the Steelers this week 
Um, their defense is going to show up again, and and I think they'll shut down James Conner like they did week four, and I'm going to go with the Ravens. Yeah, I'm also taking the Ravens. The Steelers are just way inconsistent this year, and uh, I like Baltimore's defense also. So Ravens for me as well. Well, I'm going to go the other way um, because I think the Ravens are inconsistent as well. Uh, Ravens at home obviously gives them a little advantage, but I I like the Steelers' offense just a little bit more – well, a lot more than the Ravens' offense. I just don't know if I like the Steelers' offense as much as I like the Ravens' defense. So I'm going Steelers uh, on the road. We'll see how that one turns out. I think that's got a chance to be a great game. And speaking of great games, how about Rams at the Saints? Minus one and a half. The Rams are dogs. The Rams are dogs on the road in New Orleans. Hmm. This is a, this is a tough one. Um, the, the, the Saints have been really running the ball more than they have been throwing. I know Breeze has the ability to do so uh, if needed, but the Rams are dogs. It's very hard to win in the uh, – in the, um, Whatever the whatever dome it's called, but I, I just can't go against the Rams here. Their defense is is solid and and their offense is good as well. And the, the Saints the Saints run these pretty good, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Rams here in a close one, probably probably a field goal to to end it. Wow, yeah, I think it should be a real good game. It's the Mercedes Benz Dome, isn't it? At least it was a this year week. or two ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going with the Saints. I'm going to go with the home team. I hope it's a real good game, and I, I want to see the Rams get that first loss. Saints for me. Yeah, I'm going Saints. I'm going Saints, and the only reason I'm going Saints is because they're at home. That That's it. Well, and they have Drew Brees, but they're home. Okay, yeah, he's pretty good. the Cowboys, minus six and a half for the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are at home, correct? Yes. Yeah, I looked at this, and um... – I tried to find every which way I could think of to not pick the Cowboys here, but it's they're favored by six and a half. I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm uh, this is tough because I don't want to really. I'm not gonna root for them anyway, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Cowboys here. I think the the main difference between the two teams they're very similar, but the Cowboys have Ezekiel Elliott, and that's gonna be enough to to get them to win. I'm I'm gonna take the Cowboys here. Yeah, I'm not going to say too much about it, but I'm picking the damn Cowboys, and if I'm wrong, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Me too. I'm taking the Cowboys at home as well. Titans aren't any good. They're, I'm not sure Dallas is any good, but the Titans are no good. Cowboys hey, guys, guys, before we uh, leave the football talk here, Fred, what is the latest on Le'Veon Bell? I didn't hear anything the last week. Where, where is he? What's going on with him now? Well, basically – he had to, they couldn't trade him if they wanted to because he had to sign the tender to be traded. So he just never even showed up. And as far as it stands, he's just going to sit out the year. I believe if he sits out the year, um, then he just becomes a free agent from there. So, hmm. um, but I thought, I think, Fred, I'm not sure about this, but I think he has to play to earn his year. He's got to be in by week 10, I believe is right. And, or else he doesn't earn his year and he doesn't get his free agency. I thought he had to be in at some point. Yeah, I think it's week 10. Hmm. So the fr- – yeah, you know what, you're right, I think. You're right, because then they would void the franchise tag and then he, they would be able to place it on the following year. Yeah, you're right, Bill. Yeah. So something's going to happen in the next week and a half, I'm guessing. 
Yeah, but you're right. He did not sign his tender, and that's why they couldn't move him if they did want to move him. So he's created a, created some big problems for them out there, that's for sure. And James Conner's putting up numbers that can make you forget about Le'Veon Bell. Hey, Le'Veon Bell's forgetting about that O-line. He's a, he's, great, he's a great running back, but, I mean, I and I know running backs are valuable and a running game is valuable, but you, you can be replaced at that position. <laughs> that's right. You hey, got Fred, it. while we have you, before we let you go, let's talk Sixers for just a couple minutes. Uh me and Mr. Chesko seem to have quite a disagreement about this bunch. And uh, I think he, I'm just not all that high on them. And, uh, you know, they're four and four. They couldn't, they couldn't hit water from a boat most of the time. Their guards can't shoot. Uh, I don't see this team being as good as last year. And Chet's got them winning 50 and 100 games or whatever in the world. Number 48, pal. 48. <laughs> I, it's it's four it's it's eight games in. I, I mean the the Rockets are one and five. The Wizards are one and seven. I know the 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 play on the court obviously would lead you to to say what you're saying, Bill, 100. percent But they were similar last year. You know they got they got smoked by the Raptors last year early. They lost by 12 to the Celtics at home early last year, and they didn't have shooting early last year. So, you know, Embiid's dominating. Defenses have obviously found a way to limit Simmons, but we also have to remember who Simmons is going up against. He went up against the Celtics, and then he had Kawhi Leonard, who's probably the best defensive player in basketball, um, one-on-one last night as well. So the issue I, I'm finding, or I see visually myself, is Markel Fultz developing him or not developing him. Because when they took him off the floor last night in the third quarter, the Sixers went on like a 20-point run. They cut it to six. Now, that now that wasn't enough, obviously, because that's a lot against a great team like the Raptors. But you, you either got to – you got to have – I, I want to win. I would want to win, and it's not unfair to the other players. Like, have them come off the bench because it's just not – it's not there when, when he's on the court with them. And him and Simmons on the court together don't look like it, it works either. I also think much similar, similar to last year, they're going to make a deal. They're going to bring in more shooting. So – you know, I, I I could go either way. I, I hear what you're saying, Bill, 100. percent But and you're you're right around with them, Chad. You're at 48. If anything, I'm probably more of the um, optimist yeah. about it. You know, yeah. so I I think it, I think it can can happen. But I mean, it's it's early. I can't make a decision based on the eight games. Yeah, as Fred alluded, I think the key is Fultz and whether he develops or not. I mean, the defense, though, isn't as good as it was last year when they were third or fourth in the league. They're committing more turnovers than you'd like to see. Simmons was admittedly awful in the loss to Toronto. Lots of sloppy ball handling. That's what I'm guessing was a career-worst 11 turnovers for him. Dario Saric off to a horrible start this season. He started off slowly last year, too. Uh, playing in Croatia, I think, you know, burns him out, and then he just gets rejuvenated eventually. Dario's going to get better. They're going to get Wilson Chandler back in a couple of weeks. At least we hope that's the case. Uh, Muscala's going to get better as he gets involved in the system. Uh, I'm still concerned about the Simmons-Fultz combination. i got to see more from Fultz. We could talk about that at length. But uh, I think like last year, they will get better once, you know, December and January rolls around. And I agree with Fred. They're going to make some kind of a deal. So I think they will get better. Just hang in there until, you know, Christmas, and then things will improve. Well, I think the interesting thing is with Fultz is, you know, we had D on a couple weeks ago. We had Ty on last week. And and they both had very different perspectives regarding Fultz. You know, I think D feels like, 
You have to have TJ McConnell or somebody on the court and Fultz isn't ready. Uh, where Ty was saying, hey, you got to put Fultz in the game, let him develop down in the fourth quarter and and be part of getting better. Um, so, so everybody's wide open on this thing. Personally, I still feel like they're a better team when McConnell's playing and he's been limited to four, five, six minutes a game the last couple games because they're trying to get Fultz more time. Uh, and, and in turn... They're playing these good teams, Boston, Detroit, Milwaukee, and now Toronto, and, and they're, all four losses have been somewhat blowouts except for the one. Dee said something even more interesting before this whole – and it was on your show, I, I believe. She, she saw Fultz before this whole fiasco happened, when he was working out before they even drafted him, and she was unimpressed at that point with yeah, his yeah. shot and what he was doing. So – I take her her expertise serious. Like I, she, I followed her and her dad all my whole life, and I all I hated that trade from day one. I never thought there was a clear cut one, and that concerns me more than is Fultz anything. Is he just a an okay player that is a bench player that comes off? So we waste all this time. Should we develop him? Should we not? He, they are better on the court when TJ comes in because he's he looks like a, a boy, like a like a seventh grader playing with seniors in high school. It, it's it, it is it's frustrating, really. And my one final comment: it still bugs the crap out of me that Ben Simmons refuses to shoot even a midterm jumper. We hardly ever see it. He's got to start taking them because the defense knows he's not going to do it. He's got to start shooting them. Yeah, and he, I mean, even if he doesn't make a lot of them, he's got to shoot them. They got to know yep. that he's going to shoot them, and that he can start making them. Absolutely agree. Well, hey, Fred, we uh, we need to wrap it up with you. We'll see you next week, and uh, good luck. Get out there and get some more candy. All right, go Titans. <laughs> see you, Fred. Right, absolutely. All right, hey, Chet, let's give a shout out to the PPCC 118 Rise Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page. So people can take a chance on winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly sports scenes and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118RASROOM. That's right. PPCC118RASROOM on Facebook. Woo-hoo. All right, there you go, Mr. Chesco. Tell us what you got lined up uh, for Philly Press Box Radio next week because you keep bringing in great guests. Well, if all goes well, we will have two guests joining us next week. I'm still working on a former Eagle to join us to preview the November 11th Eagles-Cowboys game. He hasn't fully committed as yet, so I'm not going to mention the name. But hopefully that will happen. We will also, though, talk a little baseball. Yes, Bill, Philly's baseball talk in November with our pal Wheels, Chris Wheeler, joining us live. Well, that'll be interesting. Uh, we're going to talk a few minutes about the World Series anyway, Chet. I wanted to ask you, did you watch the World Series much at all? It was analytics at its worst. You know, the funny thing, Bill, the only one game I watched at great length was the one that set a record for length. That was that Friday night game I watched from the eighth inning all the way to the bitter end at 3.30 a.m., 18 innings, Great win for the Dodgers in that one, but because of that, I wasn't able to stay awake for Saturday night's game, and I only saw bits and pieces of the Bosox clincher Sunday night. So, yeah, I really only saw that one game at any great length and bits and pieces of the other games. 
but uh, I didn't really care who won, so that's why I didn't really pay all that much attention to it. Well, and you know, I watched the game. Uh, I, I didn't stay up all night to watch it like you did till four o'clock in the morning, but I made it to a little bit after one o'clock that night. But the next night is the one that had me just jumping out of my seat. If it was the Phillies, I'd have been throwing things at the screen or throwing my TV completely <laughs> out the window. Uh, and just, just to give you a quick summary of it, Dave Roberts is the manager of the Dodgers. Uh, Puig hits a three-run homer uh, in the sixth inning to give them a four-to-nothing lead. He's got a pitcher in there, Hill, who has a one-hitter going into the seventh. Okay, he is mowing them down. He's got a four-nothing lead with a one-hitter. He walks a guy, strikes the next guy out. He's all jacked up on the mound. So what does Dave Roberts do? Pulls him, comes and gets him at 91 pitches in the seventh inning with a one-hit shutout in the World Series when he's not going to use him again because he's not in the rotation. His next start's next year. They proceed to give up nine runs. They give up nine runs as the bullpen just collapses. And then, to make it even worse with the score tie, they have a runner on second, nobody on first, bases open, and they don't walk them because they shift the whole field around and then the guy get a hit up the middle to drive in what turned out to be the winning run. It was a <laughs> disaster. It was such a disaster, I gave Gabe Kapler the night off. <laughs> And then they booed Dave Roberts the next night in L.A., which is pretty wild. Oh, they were, they probably gave a standing ovation in Boston. He might have been in the parade today. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, and by the way, to, it was by the way, watch. World Series ratings down 23 percent from last year. Wow, well, I didn't know that, but I, I can tell you, the, the game's different, and it's not it's not fun to watch and. Uh, you know, I guess if you're an offensive guy and you like seeing teams give up nine runs in three innings as they make pitch changes every two batters, uh, I guess that's interesting <laughs> to you. But it was it was kind of a disaster to me. Yes, sir. Anyway, Chad, hey, it's hard to believe, but before we get together again next Wednesday, college basketball will have tipped off with opening night next Tuesday already. Be interesting to see how those defending national champion Villanova Wildcats will fare after being wiped out by graduation in the draft. Yeah, you know, I'm really out of touch on that front. Uh, life is moving way too fast, Bill. But, hey, it is nice to see so many of Jay Wright's guys making contributions to teams around the, around the NBA. I can't imagine that Nova will be a serious title contender again next spring, but maybe they'll surprise me. I don't know. Well, you know, and, and, you know, you talk about life, life running by fast, you know, you, you got hockey going on in, in October, November, December, like you said, and now here you've got college basketball stepping in on November the 6th to start their season that goes all the way into April. Uh, you know, it, there's just so many things going on at one time, but it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think Villanova is certainly going to be rebuilding and struggling. Yep. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see. All right, Mr. Chesco, before we, we do have one extra minute. So I wanted to go back to the thing about, uh, how we pick our whipping boys around here in Philly. Uh, three names that came to my mind. Claude Giroux is certainly one of them. Uh, Donovan McNabb at the top of that list. Pat Burrell comes to my mind pretty quickly of recent times. How do we decide as fans in Philadelphia or anywhere, uh, who's going to be the guys that we're going to blame? 
Well, that's a good question. I mean, the guys that get a pass are the guys that you know are always working, working real, real hard, like Lenny Dykstra when he was a player. Um, uh, the, the guy who crashed into the wall in center field for the Aaron Eagles, Rowland. Aaron Rowland. Um, yep. You know, just hardworking guys. Brian Westbrook. Guys that they think are just kind of going through the motions. Even like Mike Schmidt. He doesn't look like he's playing hard. You know, he would get the whipping boy thing occasionally. Ryan Howard as well. Whereas somebody like Chase Utley, you know, is given 100% all the time. He gets a pass. Yeah, and I guess that brings me to the Claude Giroux thing. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody could ever say that Giroux is not working. He does everything on that hockey team that it's possible to do from penny, penalty killing the number one power play and everything else. But then he gets to the playoffs and he gets up against the, the big, biggest and best, and he becomes a little more average. So I get, and, and as far as his captain ability, I'm not sure why he gets picked on for that. With McNabb, obviously, uh, it was the result. It wasn't, it wasn't a Super Bowl. Anything less than a Super Bowl uh, made McNabb not good enough. Plus, he never got over that whole uh, booing at the draft thing the whole time he was in Philly. Well, and, well, let's talk about that. I mean, do you think that that's really the, the issue with McNabb and Philly, or was it the, that blank stare that he gave and the patting on the chest that it was my fault kind of thing? Yeah, it's a lot of things. I mean, he's just a different guy from, you know, Carson Wentz, that's for sure. That's right. Well, we'll talk some more about that. I find that to be interesting, especially as the heat gets on to uh, to close your room. Hey, Chad, let's, uh, we're about out of time. Let's get to our parting shots. You got one tonight? I'm sure you do. I got some crap that we missed this week, Bill. They had the firing squad out in Cleveland earlier this week. The Browns asked Hugh Jackson. He went 1-31 over his first two seasons. Then he won twice in half a season this year, but management decided that wasn't good enough. Meanwhile, Cavaliers, they won a championship under Tyron Lue in the spring of 2016. But this year, they started 0-6, and the Cavs concluded that he couldn't coach anymore, I guess. Maybe just maybe the fact that LeBron James isn't there anymore, <laughs> maybe that factored in the team's woes. Just a hunch. And – I was feeling a little bit wistful this week, Bill. It was the 10-year anniversary of the Phil's 2008 World Series win, and the end of the season meant also that the career of Chase Utley is officially over. So it made me reflect on Chase's great career, beginning with something that you posted about a few days ago, the very first slam of a hit for Utley back in 2003. Here's Chase Utley with a chance to do some damage here. Bases loaded, two outs. Long drive, could it be? Love hearing Harry always, and Chase, you are still the man. That's right. Well, Chad, I have some crap we forgot, or maybe you didn't even know. The World Series MVP, Steve Pierce, from right here in Lakeland, became the second Polk County native to win that award. The Blue Jays' Pat Borders from Lake Wales won it previously. How about that? Hmm. Two from How the about county. that? Also, Chris Sale, also from Lakeland became one of the very few to throw the first pitch of the season for his team on opening day and the last pitch of the season to win the World Series. How about that? Mm -hmm. Congrats to Andy Reid on becoming the 10th coach in NFL history to win 200 games. He now has 201 tied for ninth all time. Happy 82nd birthday yesterday to former Eagles head coach Dick Vermeil and 
Me with you, Chet. Happy trails, Chase Hutley. With yeah, that, and, and by the end of our hour, let's thank you. Next week, guests. 7 p.m. Uh, next week. 7. 7 p.m. next week. Yeah, who knew? Let's thank our special guest, Ken Dunnick, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118, Raz Room, and Dable Boys Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join us next Wednesday, November 7th at 7 p.m. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. No I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves. I hope we pass the audition. <laughs>